and good evening, everybody, to a new edition of Bolt from the Blue. Uh, it's me, Ray, first time uh, in the hosting hot seat, and I hope I do myself justice. Uh, very um, difficult shoes to fill with Mike, uh, Colin and Bernard in the past doing the hosting duties, but it's my turn today. And what a weekend it's been for City in actually two games since we last did a, a pod. The Brentford game, which I think we're going to scoot over to focus mostly on what's happened this weekend. Lots and lots of talking points. Obviously, City had a game against Arsenal. Tons of stuff to chat about. And uh, we might just mention today's result, Liverpool playing at Chelsea and how that affects City. Without any further ado, I better do some welcomes. So we've got two guys who actually went to the game. I'm going to start with Bernard Deneen. How are you doing, Bernard? I'm absolutely wonderful, mate. Yeah, got home in one piece. I've never seen the motorways so clear in all my life, travelling down there on the New Year's Day morning. It was absolutely fantastic, and I'm I'm glad to be here with you tonight, Ray. You must have had an early start, Bernard. Yeah, well, I had to get to the Etihad for 5.15pm, uh, and I, it was quite early. I lost the blue car park. I had to go to the blue car park. I forgot where it was. So I was driving around for a minute trying to figure out where the blue car park was. And when I got on it, I ended up in that area where they're doing all the COVID tests. I went right past where I should have turned off. So uh, it was about 12 minutes past five when I got there and the coach was just pulling up. So I was quite I was quite lucky. I got lost going to the Etihad. So that just about sums it all up for uh, the start plastic. of the day. You're a plastic fan <laughs> if you don't know the way around. Um, another one of our uh, team that was at the game, and we saw a very nice picture of him with Nigel Rothband from the Manchester from the Man City show. That uh, was uh, Colin. How are you doing, Colin? Good, good. I didn't go quite as early as Bernard. I um, went down the night before, or well, the day before, and stayed over. So uh, I had a really, I had a leisurely start to my New Year's Day. Yeah, some yeah. wag, uh, very witty wag out there. Wrote sexy beasts under the picture of you and Nigel. <laughs> and that was Nigel, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't Nigel or Ross, it was me. Anyway, thanks for uh, <laughs> noticing. Anyway, and, and last but not least, uh, we have all the way from uh, South Korea. I can't remember. Is it Guangdong? I can't remember the actual place, Mike. It's, it's Mike Long. Mike Long from Guangdong. Well, actually, it's uh, Songdo, Songdo in South Korea. <laughs> Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. <laughs> it's great to be with you. I'm looking forward to this exciting episode. Fantastic. So uh, we have got a little agenda. Mike sent me an agenda and obviously I tossed that in the bin and I'm uh, just going <laughs> to wait and see where we get to. I think it's only right that we quickly mention the game against Brentford uh, um, because there's so much has gone on this weekend. But I think we should start by that. So um, City, scrape home. Is that reasonable to say, Colin? Uh, scrape home, yeah. It was a tough game, wasn't it? Um uh, you know, Brentford had that the little trick was to keep the grass quite long, and that clearly <laughs> slowed our passing down a little bit. But um, they played very well. I mean, it's no surprise they're going to survive this season. I can't see them not surviving. Um, they're, they're very well organised. Um, and it, I was watching them. They were playing a 5-3-2, and they were so disciplined. They kept that shape. Uh, whatever happened, it was like a you know one of those bar football tables. You know, the five moved together, the three moved together, the two moved together. Uh, and they sometimes look quite dangerous as well. And, uh, yeah, I think um, I think we deserve to win that. But uh, it it wasn't, um, it, it certainly wasn't a pushover. I never thought it would be. 
Absolutely. Um, Bernard, can you tell us about any interesting points in the game? I think there was one major talking point. Was there? What was yeah, that, mate? Goal. Me. Goal. <laughs> we scored. That's a talking oh. point. <laughs> who scored? Okay, remember who scored it? Who scored it? Talk, 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 talk. Who's talking? <laughs> no, Who's it's talking just talking talking uh, yeah, I mean, my main my main talking point was the fact that uh, Brentford had eleven absentees out of that team, and they, um, we sort of struggled just a little bit, didn't we? Uh, fortunately, Mister Foden sort of didn't let us down. I mean, we had another two goals, didn't we? That was chalked off for offside. One I thought was a bit uh, iffy. I didn't think it was offside. I thought it was. It must have been a. It must have been a, a shoulder blade. I don't know what it was. Uh, the chip on the shoulder. Perhaps a chip on the shoulder. That was it. That uh, made him offside for it, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know we'll credit Phil with that. Uh, he got his back in Pep's good books, of course. He had to work flipping hard, didn't he? Let's be honest about it, guys, after being told off and being on the naughty step. So that's what he had to do. And then, unfortunately, he's, you know, as soon as he, the next as soon, the next day, he's, he gets ill, doesn't he? So that's, that's all we need. But, uh, no, that was about it, mate, really, that goal. Uh, as I said, the, I think uh, poor old... Poor old Brentford were absolutely knackered by the last 10 minutes. So when they were hoping perhaps to push for an equaliser, I think they were too buggered to do it, to be honest with you. It was just too much for them because they made the subs and they made no effect whatsoever, which uh, I think we'll move on from that game very quickly. It was uh, three points. That's why we're champions, you say, don't we? That's probably why. Um, I'll ask Mike about the pass from uh, KDB, wasn't it, for Forden's goal? It was beautiful. It was beautiful indeed. It's just one moment of quality needed to settle that game. We were grinding it out. We were looking to go four games in a row, scoring four plus. I think that was a bit too much to ask for. But um, yeah, it's just a lovely wand of a of a of a, a pass from KDB, wasn't it? And uh, and up comes the the blonde bombshell. I'm jealous of his haircut, guys. He's got beautiful hair, hasn't he? Yeah, peroxide blonde. Uh... Phil Foden, yeah, and and obviously it was a great um, set of results for us because Liverpool lost and uh, Chelsea drew with uh, Brighton, so we extended our lead at the top of the table. And so we move on to this weekend. It's a bit difficult for City because obviously we played against Brentford, had to return from London to Manchester, and then a couple of days later we've got to go back to play Arsenal in London. Wonderful from uh, whoever set the fixtures up. Um, and it's a lunchtime kickoff, even more wonderful, obviously, for the fans who had to go down really early. Um, so, Arsenal 1, Manchester City 2. Now, um, I'll, I'll pop along to, to Mike here and just to, to get your thoughts on, on the team. And I'll, this is off the top of my head, so hopefully I don't miss anybody out. We had Edison in goal, Cancelo at right-back, uh, Walker, thankfully, is, is on the bench now. So, he'll be hopefully back next game. We had uh, Diaz, Cancelo and Nathan Ake. Uh, Zinchenko, I believe, is ill. Rodri in front of them. Uh, Laporte, uh, yeah, you got Laporte. Laporte. I've missed Laporte. Uh, Diaz, Laporte, and Aki. So I'm, I'm losing it already. Uh, the pressure's getting to me. Uh, <laughs> in midfield, we had Rodri, Bernardo, and Kevin De Bruyne. And up front, we had the Algerian prince Riyad Mahrez, um, the dream that is Raheem Sterling, and Gabriel Jesus. So Michael. Reading that lineup, uh, what are your thoughts? I think that was fairly orthodox. I think the only thing that um, you would look at maybe is um, Nathan Ake, but um, as we'll talk about later, he really proved himself uh, in this game. But um, that, that that's a very, very apart from that, that's a very uncontroversial 
lineup apart from maybe the fact that um, Philip Foden was on the bench. Mm. Uh, Colin, um, were you slightly concerned that you know we've only got now that um, Ben Mendy is unavailable um, at her currently at her, at her Majesty's pleasure, and uh, Ferran Torres has been sold. We've only got fourteen outfield players. Is it four? Yeah, is it fourteen? I thought it was seventeen actually. But, We've uh, got seventeen players, including three key outfield players. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, it's concerning, isn't it? I mean, um, obviously Mendy, uh, Torres. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, and I've just had an argument on Twitter with an Arsenal fan saying we've got two world class teams. Yeah, we've got we we can't at the moment we we can't put out a full team of sub yeah. a, a full team of senior uh, sorry a full bench of senior players, can we? Well, having said that, Colin, I mean, we know we only take seven players in our second team to beat Arsenal, wouldn't it? So it's it's not that big a deal. <laughs> um, not they didn't. Yeah, it wouldn't have done. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there was a guy on our bench yesterday, uh, Jagas. I've not even heard of. I didn't even know. Uh, I was going to move on to the bench. I was going to ask uh, Bernard about the bench. We had a lot of kids on the bench yesterday. Um, obviously, we had two uh, other senior players out in Foden and Zinchenko who were ill. I think Stones is out as well. So, um, if I'm right, um, um, but we had uh, KK on the bench. We had was it uh, Mackety? Was it Mac on the bench? And Betty, uh, Cole Palmer. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously a, a, an issue for City that we've only got such a small uh, group of players to, uh, to choose from. C- can you see any of and, and none of the and Pep's not one for making substitutions either. So the kids have been on the bench for uh, a couple of games and no one's featured. Do you think that might come back to to hurt us or uh, have the games required us to keep playing our first team? Yeah, well, actually, you just said Foden, and Foden wasn't on the bench either. He didn't. He wasn't in the squad yeah, yesterday. No, I, said, sorry, I, got, I think Foden was ill. Stones was ill. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it was Keiki and Betty Palmer and McAtee. But, I mean, obviously, Pep's saying we're tired. I, I thought, I've, I watched the game back, guys. I watched the game back today, which is always different, isn't it, when you, you're there watching it and you then you watch it and all up with a unblinking. Because there was so many... Uh, interesting moments. I thought I'd watch it back just for my, for my own self-interest rather than just watch the highlights. And I, I, I didn't think we looked that tired the first half. I just didn't think we were quite at it. I mean, obviously, we've got to believe Pep when he says we were tired. Uh, but obviously, the problem is he couldn't, when, when it was 1-0, and even even when, when in the second half, it, it, that, that bench, uh, you were struggling to think of who we could bring on to change things. And he, he just made the one substitution. And, and this is the problem, isn't it? He, he made that one substitution, which worked, but really that was the only one he could possibly make at that stage of the game. So it is a little bit of a worry going forward, but the only benefit now is that, in theory, if you discount an FA Cup game coming up, uh, we've got a little bit of rest time now. So hopefully uh, recuperation with this 17-man first-team squad, as uh, Colin, uh, Colin was quite rightly saying. You know, I, I had the same argument about an hour ago uh, with, a, with another fan about, with an Arsenal fan about this as well. Uh, we are struggling a little bit. As I say, these young lads are not getting, you know, there's no way they're going to appear. They're just there for the sake of it. They're not going to be brought on at any stage unless we're winning a game 4 or 5 nil. So it is a worry, but we've got a bit of a rest now and I'm hoping that'll, that'll galvanise us and get all our players back. I don't know how you guys can argue with Arsenal fans. I mean, surely they need more than two brain cells to, to form an argument and it's a waste of your time, a waste of your intellect. Um, <laughs> Well, let's move on to the game itself. I mean, I, I personally think Arsenal started uh, um, reasonably well. They took the game to City. So, do you want to talk us through the first 20 minutes or so, Mike? Yeah, I, I, 
they 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 were impressive. I think um, Arsenal in the first twenty minutes. I know they were um, bigged up incredibly after the game, but I think um, I think someone was it someone said that um, Th- Thomas Party was uh, playing like uh, Vieira <laughs> in, in midfield. I thought Odegaard was good. I thought Martinelli was very exciting. Um, they started off well and uh, they scored first, and I think they were good for it at that point. Absolutely, Jonathan. Well, look at the main incidents of the game, and I don't think um, um, anybody who's you know, watched even the highlights uh, could avoid the, the penalty shouts, the VAR, uh, the refereeing, um, and obviously the goal. So let's let's start off with let's start off by talking about penalties. I'll move to to Colin for this. I mean, we'll start with that Arsenal's penalty shout. Um, what did you make of that? Well, it was down the other end. So you couldn't really get a good view of it in real time. So because uh, uh, the uh, City fans were at the clock at the old clock end and um, the incident was at the other end. It was in the um, second half, wasn't it? Therefore. And um, their penalty, we're talking Arsenal's penalty appeal. Arsenal's penalty yeah. shout was in the, first, the half. first half, wasn't it? First half. Yeah, with the Odegaard. Yes. No. That was our end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry yeah. And, it was one of those. It didn't look it at the time. Sorry, yes, it, yeah, it was. Um, it didn't look it at the time. Um, didn't have any cause for concern. It seemed that Edison had got the ball. Well, obviously, when I came home, watched match of the day. I heard all the, the fuss on the on the radio on the way back, driving back, um, about you know, why is there no consistency in uh, in calling out VAR. Uh, so, so I did wonder about it. Um, but even not having seen it, you know, some of the Arsenal players and others will say, why didn't the referee go to the monitor for, for, for the overguard? Well, because the VAR ref has said there's nothing to look at. Uh, you know, that's the reason he hasn't gone to the monitor. They only, they only go to the monitor when the, the VAR ref feels there's been a clear and obvious error. And, and it's so annoying. It, 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 you know, annoying is not the right word. It's not a, a strong enough word to hear the, you know, people in the media, pundits, who people listen to, have got no clue about how VAR is supposed to work. The referee doesn't have to go to the monitor unless he's told by the guy in Stockley Park uh, that, that he thinks he's made a big mistake. Uh, and he hadn't made a big you know, There wasn't enough. I, I just watched Match of the Day. Uh, and they had it absolutely spot on. Um, that there wasn't enough doubt, there wasn't enough evidence that it was an error. And, and it's so 50-50 as well, because uh, you know, the, the, the Arsenal players, or the Arsenal fans feel that Edison's taken Odegaard out. When you look at it in slow motion, it's hard to tell who got the foot in first. It looks like Edison's got foot to the ball. It looks like Odegaard may have caught Edison's foot rather than uh, the ball. So it's quite clear there's not enough to overturn the referee's on-field decision. If the referee had given a penalty, then probably the same thing would have happened. I don't think they'd have overturned it. But that doesn't mean to say that it was a definite penalty. It means that there's not enough evidence to say that referees got it wrong. And that would have worked either way. So perhaps that's one of the weaknesses of VAR. I don't know. But, um, you know, I didn't think it was a penalty at the time. And I've seen nothing to to disabuse me of that notion. And it's so aggravating, so annoying, makes me so angry to hear pundits, the pundits go on about it because they don't understand how VAR is supposed to work. Uh, Save me a rant for for today. We're getting Colin on Colin's rant. (laughs) (laughs) Colin's consternation. There we go. Um, 
Mike, we saw Edison obviously come out. And we, we he got away with the with the, uh, the tackle. Were you are you concerned that occasionally he's a little bit too rash in the penalty boxing coming out? I think that's part of his game. He is a little bit too rash. Um, but I think um, you take that away from him. He's not quite the goalkeeper he was. I mean, as Colin said, that was uh, that was fractional. It was like minuscule. Uh, the um, the the margins in that particular decision, and as Colin rightly said, it just did not. Uh, warrant the uh, uproar that came from the TV commentators. Maybe that's something that, <clears throat> that uh, you might want to talk about later on. But they were just so desperate. They're desperate for Arsenal to uh, to succeed in this game. And um, just getting back to your point, yeah, he's a bit rash, um, but that rashness has um, has saved us on a, a number of occasions. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin, we'll, we'll talk about the other penalty because let's keep the penalties together, uh, and then comes the goals afterwards. Um, we got a penalty. It was contentious at the time. Referee didn't give it on the pitch. Um, and uh, I think there were, there were two connected incidents. Well, one where Bernardo Silva, he basically did Xhaka, uh, who stuck his leg out. Bernardo Silva went over his leg. And as he was falling, Xhaka um, grabbed hold of his shirt. And, uh, you know, and people yeah. were looking at the second part of that incident. So, well, he was diving. I did, uh, and yes. totally ignoring the first part where he was fouled. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and again, that made me angry. Uh, we, we saw it in real time, didn't we, Bernard? Uh, and to yeah. me, it was quite clear that uh, Xhaka had tripped Bernardo. It was clear, you know, clear as day, in real time, What one viewing, uh, you know, we saw it. Uh, and, and we were astounded that the penalty hadn't been given. Because, you know, you can give a penalty and get, get it overturned, but we, we were absolutely astounded because quite clearly, I didn't even see the shirt pulling in real time. You know, I only saw it when I watched it on Match of the Day. But he was going down, people say he was going down when he pulled the shirt. He was going down because Jacka tripped him. He caught him with his thigh. I, I thought he cooked his heels in real time, but he caught him with his thigh, knee on his thigh. And uh, it's a foul, you know. It, yeah. it's a, you know, it doesn't have to scythe his legs away from him. It's a foul. Uh, and then he grabbed Bernardo when he was already going down. Yes, the, Bernardo was already going down when his shirt was pulled, and it wasn't uh, you know, much of a shirt pull anyway. I'd have been, I'd have been uh, astounded if a penalty had been given for that. But yes. uh, it wasn't the shirt pull that was the penalty incident. It was the uh, Jacques tripping him. Yeah, Bernard, do you, do you think um, Bernardo still went down a little bit too easily? Is is it one of those moments, uh, Salah esque moments, where? You feel uh, some contact and you think, I've got to go down, otherwise I won't get a penalty. Well, I wouldn't have blamed him if that's what he thought. But as Colin was said there, I mean, all the concentration seems to be on the sh- on the shirt pull, which was on its own, is is a penalty for me, a shirt pull. And he did he did actually get it right, right round him. It wasn't so a little tug. He did actually have a good handful of it. But as you said, it, everything has been totally ignored. Uh, yeah, perhaps he did on a shirt pull. He went down a bit too easy. But as Colin said, he lost his balance a little bit by that tackling the by the guy sticking his left his left leg. I think he went over his his knee and thigh sort of area. Yeah. So he was already losing his balance and at speed. We know it was Sterling at speed. It's very hard to stay on your feet when you when you're in that position. And and the shirt pull. Why not? Oh, I'll, I'll make sure I'll make it dramatic. I, I'm no no doubt he didn't make it a little bit more dramatic. But what's wrong, what's wrong with that? Foul. It was clear penalty. Absolutely. Let's move on to the goals because there were some goals in this game. It was not just uh, penalties and and um, a red card. As Mike, um, the Arsenal goal. Now that was basically a, you've got to give Arsenal credit. It was a good move from Arsenal back to front. 
Um, winning the ball off, I think, KDB, moving it forwards, putting it out to Tierney on the left, and he put the ball in the box, and Saka um, walked through our defence, so no one was marking him, and he put the ball past Edison. What did you make of that goal, Mike? Uh, that was a slick piece of play, wasn't it? I think it was uh, Ben White, wasn't it, that won back possession and started the, the little counter-attack uh, through to Kearney. Lovely ball for Saka. First-time finish. And uh, as I said earlier, I think that they were they were threatening uh, that. And um, City were a bit, I thought, a little bit lacklustre in, um, in their awareness uh, for that. But um, he's an exciting young player and, um, and he finished well and was a good goal. Yeah, but do you... I mean, sometimes you look at uh, um, goals by the opposition, you say, look, and, and give them credit. It was a great goal. There's nothing we could have done about that. Do you think there's anything we could have done about that goal to prevent it? What could we have done better to prevent that goal? I think it's just awareness of danger. I think um, City were a little bit um, slow to pick up the the urgency of that situation. And they didn't come out and, and, uh, and press and... Uh, Try to prevent that um, the the ball from uh, Tierney through to Saka, or didn't feel that Saka was going to be able to finish from that distance. So, you know, um, we've been we've been really really miserly in defence. We've got the best defensive record in the league, but um, I, I felt this was this was coming. Yeah, but um, I mean, Saka. When you say Saka was too far out, he was in the penalty box. Uh, surely that's uh, not too far out to. Uh, to be left free to roam around unmarked. Um, I was hoping you might mention who was, who should have been marking him, and that was uh, I think Emerit Laporte. Um, just too far away, you know. Was, was that like you say? Was do you think it was lack of concentration, uh, switching off, uh, ball watching? What made Laporte pay no attention to Saka? Laporte has the the habit of doing this. Actually, I think um, just losing a bit of concentration. I talked about the distance. Uh, Saka is not known for clinical strikes like that. I, I, I just feel it was a bit of complacency and, um, yeah, Laporte's head was somewhere else. <laughs> OK, we'll move on. We'll, we'll talk about, the obviously, we had the City penalty. We talked about how we won the penalty. Haven't actually discussed what happened um, when we actually took the penalty and, and uh, got the equaliser. So I'll, I'll turn to Colin. Before the penalty was taken, we had a little bit of shenanigans around the penalty spot. Can you describe what happened and who was uh, interfering with the penalty spot? Well, uh, it didn't say it. Didn't, obviously, didn't say it clearly in the game. We just saw kind of a melee around the penalty spot. And, and um, I, I, I thought, um, if you could fault Stuart Atwell, he let the Arsenal players um, harangue him far too much yesterday. Uh, you know, every decision, there were four or five of them in his face. And I, th- I think at one point, he had to take Lacazette aside and um, I think have a word with him about it but um, so, so we saw a bit of a melee on the penalty spot and then obviously the, the penalty got taken, Mara's dispatched it and it really only when I saw it when saw it back on match of the day I realised what had happened but even then it's not clear that, that Gabriel got booked for that which he should have been uh, there was some talk he was actually booked for talking back to the referee yeah. um, so, so it's not quite clear but so if that's the case, then he should have been off then, because that would have been two yellows. If, if he got booked, talking about dissent. Yeah, yeah, one for thing and one yeah. for the dissent. So, so he, that, that's a booking. Uh, interfering with the penalty spots a booking, an automatic See, booking. So he should have been off at that point. I don't think the referee noticed he'd interfered with the penalty spot. Uh, yeah, Maybe yeah, he no, just word in his ear. Because, was, yeah, no, because uh, say there was this melee, all the Arsenal players were surrounding him, 
and, and Gabriel wandered over to the penalty spot and, and, and just stuck his foot. And apparently someone said uh, the keeper did as well, Ramsdale. Did something yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, there was footage on the full match replay. And while they're looking over uh, to find out what's going on, he's on his own. He's doing exactly the same thing, and even more so than uh, Gabriel. He's scuffing the penalty spot uh, with his boot. So that was clearly shown on the full match uh, replay that, that I watched. And, and he, he refused to, to retreat as well. He was standing in. So, you know, um, we were saying at the time, Arsenal are going to be lucky to end. We were saying Arsenal are going to be lucky to end that with. 11 men. In fact, in the end, they were lucky to end it with 10 men. It, it could easily have been at least another one down. Um, I, I say, if, if that's what the, the keeper did, then he should have been booked as well. Uh, yeah. And um, he was doing a lot of time wasting. So I think I think Ramsdale got away with one there. And I say Gabriel should probably have been sent off straight away for, for two consecutive yellows before the one he actually got. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just such. Uh, I, I think that interfering with the penalty spot should be a straight red, no messing, because it's it's pure gamesmanship um, and cheating. Um, cheating. Cheating. It's cheating. It should be a straight red. So, so Gabriel can have no, um, no kind of. Um, but but no, no complaint. He, he was lucky that he was still on the pitch at that when the penalty was taken. Well, there's, there's a couple of incidents in in quick succession. Well, let's since we're talking about Gabriel at the moment, let's finish uh, finish him off and um, get him sent off. So Bernard, he, he uh, committed another foul. Was that worthy of a yellow card? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was a bit like the Wolves incident, wasn't it? Not so long ago, when the guy just been booked, and then literally, you know, a minute or two later, he does something else stupid and does a bookable bookable offence. And all credit to Atwell for actually following the rules of the, of the game. And you know, he got hold of Jesus. All right, Jesus made a bit more of it perhaps than it was, but on, off on in normal speed, it looked so he'd been barged, but obviously it didn't look quite as bad in slow motion. But he definitely had hold of him, and he was stopping him on the centre spot. And he was just, Gabriel was just absolutely stupid and naive. And again, you got the incident where the Arsenal supporters almost to a man were applauding him. Absolute idiots. Yeah. I would be shouting my head off at the guy for, for you know, for costing your team yeah. that. You've just gone 1-1 and now you've gone down to 10 men because of being absolutely stupid. And uh, Jesus himself, that was probably one of the, the main contributions he made to the game, to be honest with you, uh, throughout. But uh, Absolutely shocking from Gabriel. There's a total lack of, you know, there's so much inexperience in that Arsenal team. There's a lack of a couple of old heads, perhaps, to sort of uh, sort it out. Well, I don't know who the captain the is, I'm not is, sure. The old head is Granite Xhaka, isn't it? Well, <laughs> this is it, but that <laughs> just says it all, doesn't it? But uh, that, that's the problem. The, 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 the calm, and they yeah. just didn't calm, and Gabriel was, was the essence of that in what, in what he did, and quite rightly was sent off. Yeah, we, then we had him sarcastically applauding, I think, the fourth official yes, uh, as yeah. he went off. The Arsenal fans were applauding him off. Uh, Arsenal players were surrounding the referee again, whinging about it. And I think that's a common theme that I I, I noticed throughout this game. And, and the Arsenal team these days, you know, when things are tough, they just whinge. They've had a lot of red cards uh, over the years and they don't have the, uh, the, 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 the fibre to stand up and discipline. You don't have the discipline. They, have the, they don't have the discipline, um, and and they they too easily um, they lie down a bit too easily as well. I mean, maybe some of that we haven't noticed over the last few games because they've been 
on a, on a good run of form. I think they're the, you know, over the last was it 10 games or so, they the, they were the second best uh, points, uh, had the second best points return uh, in the Premier League behind, behind City. Um, well, we had another big talking point, Mike, um, and that was uh, our man, our rude Hullet lookalike, Nathan Ake, uh, pulling off a, a fantastic John Stones-esque uh, goal line clearance. Uh, do you want to talk us through that, please? Yeah, so this this was between um, Martinelli's two uh, yellow cards, I think. Yeah, uh, between uh, Gabriel's, and so this is um, this is a bit of Keystone uh, Cops, uh, guys. This is Laporte again with his concentration issues, and he sort of like headed the ball over Ederson, who was rushing out from his line, and that looked that looked like a you know, a stone-cold own goal there until in comes the um, the Dutch bombshell and um, slid in, clears it off the line. And I'm not sure, maybe you guys will tell me, where does that rank in City's uh, growing list of uh, goal line clearances? We've had, um, off the top of your head, we had the Walker one, mid-air, scissors yeah. kick, I think. We had the John Stones one off the floor. And we've had this one from, from Nathan Ake. Um, all... Each of them is, in their own ways, fabulous, and each of them vital uh, well, to well, keep us engaged. More, more importantly, Ray, though, obviously it means that Jamie Pollock can, continues to hold the crown for the worst uh, home, <laughs> you know, home goal in history. At least he didn't say that mantle off Mr. Jamie Pollock, did he, with the, <laughs> with that uh, clearance? That, that could have could have put his uh, stance, his historical legend status in jeopardy if, if that yeah, had gone in. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, think that... Don't think that was Jamie Pollock's standard. But we forget no. one great grow clan clearance by my hero, Sunji High. <laughs> yeah. A long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Good one. I think I think most most of the uh, bolt from the blue podcast listeners might be a bit young for uh, Sunji High, um, <laughs> even though it was about twelve to fifteen years ago. Um, so that um, that goal line clearance came came and happened, and then it was followed up immediately. Um, actually, I'm, I'm, before I talk about Martinelli's miss, there's something a point I wanted to make was about Laporte, and, and Mike was talking about his um, loss of concentration. He was actually indicating to Edison that it was his ball, that it was Edison's ball to come and collect. So Edison came out to collect it, and then Laporte heads it over him. Um, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> it was a pretty poor show, especially after uh, being a big contributory factor to Arsenal's uh, Arsenal's goal. So. Straight away, same as that Liverpool game. If you if you remember with John Stone's clearance, um, that Mo Salah had a chance to score, but the ball came too quickly to him um, as Stones cleared it. As Aki played this ball, Martinelli was there. He was stood eight yards out mm. from the goal, yeah, and yeah. the goalie really wasn't there. And he, he sh- I think he should have scored. So do you want to talk us through Mike, that Mike and how? Uh, Martinelli somehow missed that open goal. I have absolutely no idea because uh, when Ake <laughs> cleared that off the line, that went straight to Martinelli. It was an open goal. He was about eight yards away. Um, just a nice roll in uh, would have done it. But, it was um, his right foot though, wasn't it? I think he's right-footed mainly, is he? I think. Uh, yeah, you're foot. probably right about that. But um, nonetheless, it was a, 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 a an open goal and the Arsenal fans in the stadium were going absolutely buck mad about that. Um, and I think they were probably right. I mean, it, it even though it was on the wrong foot, as you suggested, it was a straightforward pass into the net and he fluffed it. 
And I think the referee got a bit of blame as well, yeah. apparently. I saw some footage, I don't remember at the time, but as though the referee had got in the way a bit. I think the referee um, actually got in a better position than Martinelli to score that goal. And then he had to move <laughs> away. So, um, I don't think you can blame the referee. I mean, I, I just think it sums up the game for Arsenal. They had their chances. They had some domination. They put Sitch under a lot of pressure. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, I had people afterwards, there's one Arsenal fan who said, um, you know, when I think he said something like when we played uh, Everton, I think there were two it were two poor teams playing, and the game against Man City, you had one very good team and one world class team, and the world class <laughs> team lost. You know, which is <laughs> taking it. I did laugh. I mean, it was about it was about my age, Ray. I think he's a bit senile, that guy. To be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> um, we're going to talk on. I mean, I mean, the, the game rolled into uh, the 90th minute, rolled into injury time, and just when it looked like a um, winning run so far at 10 games on the bounce was going to be over, up stepped Mr. Rodri, Mr. Rodri, um, who managed to score a goal. Uh, you know, showed us showed us all his muscles as well. Do you want to talk us through that? Uh, that goal and uh, what happened immediately in the aftermath of the goal, please, Colin. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I was just saying, uh, we'd really controlled the game a lot better that second half. We were so much better, particularly when Arsenal went down to turn around, but Arsenal still gave it a go. Uh, uh, and on the one hand, I'm, uh, I'm saying to the bloke next to me, there's only one team looks like winning this. Uh, you know, we've got the winning of this game in us. Uh, it, you couldn't see where the goal was coming from, and then <laughs> it certainly wasn't. Uh, it, it certainly wouldn't go down uh, uh, in, the, in the pantheon of City great goals. But um, was, it, was it a call? Was it a call or a cross? And Laporte and Rodri was a chip. It was a chip into the box by Sorry, was a chip into the box by Yeah, and Laporte, I think, got a foot to it. Didn't catch it particularly well. Hit Arsenal player. Bounced to Rodri, again, who scuffed, well, I said scuffed it home. It, it wasn't the cleanest of strikes, but it crept home. Uh, and there was absolute, there, there was some doubt about whether it was could have been offside, but it wasn't. But, uh, of course, there was chaos in the city. and absolute, uh, Limbs, as the young lads say. <laughs> uh, we just went all, went, went, all went crazy. Uh, and we didn't really notice that Rodri had run over to the other corner. Uh, and was in front of the Arsenal fans taking his shirt off. I did see him take his shirt off. But um, yeah, so, so that was quite. Uh, but yeah, I mean that was quite a moment because that that you know it wasn't the greatest strike we've ever scored. But, um, but it, it felt like I don't know. It, it felt like we'd won the league at, at that point. We haven't obviously, but that's what it felt like because that's you know when you win games like that you win you win the league. That's how titles are won. Tough hmm? games. That's how titles are won. On but it's a, it's been a tough game, you know, it's been a tough game. Even with Arsenal down to ten men, uh, they were still a threat. I mean, uh, Saka and Martinelli, I thought, were absolutely brilliant. Party, even Jacko had a had a good game. Defensively, they were they were very good, and, uh, and they matched us. Um, and, and to be honest, <laughs> at half time, I was thinking we're lucky to get in one nil. Arsenal could have killed that game in the first half. They probably should have killed it in the second half with that Martinelli miss from the Ake goal line clearance. Uh, and we survived that somehow. And, uh, you know, it, we'd scored a, it was inside the 60 yard box, I think. And I said it wasn't clean the strike, but we got the, we got the win in the 93rd minute. And, the, you know, it, it's, I don't know what it's like at home, but, uh, you know, in the away end, you just, the, the, the 
adrenaline, the emotion, it, it just makes you, it just, you know, sends you to another level. You know, your heart's thumping, you're, you're kind of shaking with, with, with emotion. <coughs> and it was an incredible feeling. And, and it's like, you know, some of those goals we've seen before, you know, the Sterling one at, at Bournemouth, uh, the last minute one, uh, the one against Southampton. Um, is it better than sex, Joel? The one at, uh, is it better than sex? <laughs> no, Bernard. Um, uh, but, oh, gosh, no, it's a great feeling, isn't it? I mean, you were there as well. It's you can, like, you, you can't... Colin, you can still remember the Jesus one, because it was uh, four years I ago. I thought you going to say, Colin, you still remember sex then for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, Colin I remember, still remember I'll, the, I'll, the, I'll, the I'll Jesus one, because it was only goal. four years yeah. ago. It was only four, three, four years ago. You know, he can't remember anything. Anyway, let's not, let's not go down <laughs> that road. Better, better turn this down a bit. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, but it's a great, you can't describe to people who are watching it on TV what it's like in the ground. You know, everyone's, you're hugging random strangers. And <laughs> and it just felt that, the, I said, it just felt at that moment as though we, you know, the, the title was ours. Obviously, it's, I'd say it's not. Still, we've still got 18 games to go, but it felt at that moment like we, We'd kind of it, it was sides. Yeah, I mean, and I've got to say, I've, talk about. I've got to mention that Riyad Mahrez got an assist there, and, and you know, people might be wondering what what was he doing. He got an assist in getting the shirt off because Rodri <laughs> wears a shirt so tight, so tight on his body, he couldn't actually get it off. Either that it's tight, or he's got a bit of he's carrying a, a few extra pounds, and Mahrez had to just help him to get that shirt off as he slid into the Arsenal fans. And we've seen some some great memes today. There was one, one <laughs> Rodri's head on um, Emmanuel Adebayo's uh, body <laughs> as he slid across to the Arsenal fans all those years ago. Um, obviously, Rodri got, got booked for taking his shirts off. But I also got to mention, uh, Bernard, uh, I mean, you were at the, at the game, the Arsenal fans, very uh, ungraciously, uh, <laughs> they offered uh, Mr Rodri some money. I think they offered him. They also thought he needed to go to the toilet because they offered him some uh, some toilet roll and they offered him some bottles of drink. Um, very generous, but I think they, it was at the wrong time. I just can't believe this band still take toilet roll to the games. To be honest, with you. <laughs> well, no, maybe, maybe Bernard. He wanted to, to take toilet roll. I'm not too sure, but uh, I was very surprised by that. I must admit, but uh, yes, it was it was interesting, let to say the least. And there's a few young ladies in the crowd uh, looked appreciatively at him. Anyway, that, that was for sure. I saw saw some shots of the ladies uh, smiling as he as he slid into the crowd. <laughs> Bernard, if you've been to the toilets at the Emirates, you'll know why. Uh, some of the fans have to take them on Bog Road. Uh, <laughs> um, there's, so, another, there's another one, wasn't there, of um, someone compared it to the Aguero moment. They said a former Atletico Madrid player being chased by a former Wolfsburg player. And what was the other one? Uh, it was a third coincidence. Um, Dzeko. Who would Dzeko play for? Milan. I remember who it was. Where did we get Dzeko from? Is that Wolfsburg? Well. I can't remember what it was, but but he compared it, you know, an Atletico Madrid player wheeling away after scoring a last-minute goal, being chased by a, a Wolfsburg player, and the assist. Um, oh yeah. I don't know where this story's going, Cole. That one. There were, there were three coincidences of uh, of that moment with the Aguero one, but uh, it, and, it, and it kind of felt in some ways like the Aguero one. Yeah. I mean that game, you know, it was a game before the game. You were thinking Foden wasn't there. 
you didn't know if Jao uh, Cancelo was going to play because uh, obviously he'd uh, suffered injuries in a, in a rather nasty break-in at his home. Um, uh, Rodri obviously hadn't been there. So, you know, it was quite, before the game, I was quite new. And we were saying, weren't we, Bernard? I think uh, we didn't think we were, this was one we were going to win particularly. Yeah, yeah. We're happy with the draw, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take the draw at that point, but of course the win yeah. feels so so much better. Yeah, you're right there, Colin. Jacko uh, did come from uh, VfL Wolfsburg. Um, so City start off with another win. Uh, uh, winning run moves on to 11 games on the bounce, and this is where I'm going to bring young Michael in because he is actually the youngest one of the the quartet, uh, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> uh, and we want to talk about what happened. After the game, the media, the pundits, Martin Keon's tears, rivers of tears from Martin Keon. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk us through a little bit of the post-match reaction, um, whether it be the fact that Arsenal lost, City won, um, City, have, you know, obviously City have bought the league and all the other uh, tropes that, that come out. Um, do you want to, you know, rattle through a few of those points, Michael? Oh, it was just so beautiful. I mean, just the Arsenal tears were incredible. Everybody uh, on Twitter, whether it was Liverpool supporters, Man United supporters, whether it was uh, uh, commentators, Oliver Holt was one um, in particular. Uh, my mate uh, Rafa Honigstein as well, jumping in there, talking about how this was daylight robbery, basically. And it, it's basically uh, fueled by the recognition that should uh, City beat Chelsea, uh, then this type, this uh, this is over. And they don't like it to be over. They want it to be um, a two or a three horn, a uh, two or three um, a team uh, a horse race right till the, the the end of the season. It's not going to be like that, guys. And um, Arsenal uh, played well. Uh, they're on a, a great run of form. Uh, there's a lot of sympathy in the media towards Arteta, but. I, I just, I, I, I've never found anything so gratifying. Uh, comment after comment after comment from most of your leading uh, media journalists talking ab about basically, the, the, I mean, there was no, Man City weren't mentioned. It, it was it was all about Arsenal, their glowing play, the resurgence under Arteta, the beauty of people like Martinelli and, and Smithrow who came on later in the game. And um, it's it just real, real, you know, um, just real jealousy, rank jealousy, and the fact that they're not going to get the ending that they wanted to this season. Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of tears about the penalty incidents. And as Colin has said earlier, uh, Jake Humphreys on BT Sport, they were focusing on that and said it's unfair and just and you know uh, you've you've got to uh, you know um, go and look at the monitor and, you know you've got to treat each incident the same um, and then we, we had a, a lot of obviously a lot of tweets after the game so let's pick up some that hopefully you can remember let's start with Colin do you remember the the Ben Darcy tweet oh yeah yeah um, I saw those um, there was another guy in in Australia. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were so graceless, weren't they? I mean, um, I'm just trying to find the Ben Darcy ones actually, because it did did strike me. Of course, uh, and while we're talking about it, there's one from Sky themselves. Yeah, yeah, uh, which has since been corrected. Um, that um, about 
how it was an undeserved win, despite all the stats saying it was deserved. And of course, yeah, you know, you can, you can look at it and say it's an undeserved win. Uh, it, it, certainly, Arsenal would have deserved a point out of that, I'd say. Um, but I don't know. Arsenal had 29% possession. City had a lot more shots than Arsenal. Um, although Arsenal had their moments, had their, uh, good opportunities. But it's very churlish to say it was an undeserved win. You know, the idea behind a football game is to score more goals than your opponents. And, you know, if you do manage to score more goals than your opponents, you deserve to win. Well, uh, yeah, I remember the Ben Darcy ones now. Actually, it, was, it wasn't who I was thinking of it. Um, and they were so... The Premier League is losing all credibility. This Premier League is losing all credibility. Hard to see City winning that game without such a one-sided performance from the referee team. The Premier League has a big problem. Uh, and there are lots of Premier League referees from Manchester, yet not, yet not one supported City or United as kids. Sure, lads. Now, let's tell you who Ben Darcy is. He's currently uh, an executive producer at ABC in Australia. Um, he has worked for both Sky and ITV. So this guy is a um, TV producer. He, he's um, an Arsenal fan. Of, uh, is he, uh, he's a Liverpool fan. Liverpool fan. Uh, a Liverpool fan. And, um, you know, from that well-known Merseyside suburb, Australia. Uh, and I got a bit, bit in trouble for that, for saying, you know, it, it implies that all... Um, <laughs> Orange-based supporters are, are 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 idiots or whatever, or you know, not not really, which I didn't mean to do. But there's definitely a correlation between the distance Liverpool supporters live from Anfield and their level of stupidity and bitterness. An absolute direct correlation. Um, and he was the embodiment of that. Um, you know, we, we we've talked about it. In fact, he is a little bit right about the Premier League referees being from Manchester. Because we know Lee Mason and Anthony Taylor are, were United supporters in their younger days, but they haven't admitted that. Uh, of course, Taylor is, is well known to be um, an Altrincham fan. Now, I, I do have a few Altrincham fans. I don't think any have ever seen him at the ground. Uh, and Lee Mason is supposed to be a Bolton fan because his brothers support Bolton. But I'm, I'm told by someone who used to referee with him that he had a season ticket at Old Trafford when he could, or got went to Old Trafford when he could. So... Um, but yeah, we've already said it wasn't a one-sided performance. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and watching watching match of the day, Ian Wright, who you ex you would expect to be a little bit biased when it comes to Arsenal. Ian Wright laughed all that controversy off. He said the deci decisions were right, um, and, and and I think he was right. Um, and uh, th there's been a lot of other neutrals talking about uh, Stuart Atwell saying he got most things right. I thought he lost control of the game a little. In letting players talk to him, that was the only thing. I think there are a few early on that we thought were fouls. Didn't I've not watched the whole game back yet. That there are a few early on that we thought were, were fouls. One right in front of the linesman that um, he didn't give a, a, against City players. But um, there's a lot, even a lot of neutrals commenting about the BT Sport um, commentary during the game. Uh, and, and if they're seeing it, neutrals are seeing it. Then, then clearly there's a problem. I mean, obviously, City fans were one-eyed, aren't we? Um, you know, anything that doesn't kind of praise us to the high heaven. But, but that, that sky tweet, that undeserved win, and I hope our media team had a firm word with them over that because it was anything, you know, you don't always get what you deserve in football. Arsenal could have killed that game in the first half. As I say, the Martinelli miss after the uh, Laporte shocker uh, and Ake clearance, that could have finished the game. 
Um, so, you know, we, you could say it wasn't the fact that we didn't deserve it. It was the fact that us didn't take advantage of uh, the opportunities they had. Uh, and we did. And um, that we do deserve it for that. Opportunities. Um, I'm going to go through a few more social media things. It was a, a nice tweet from Duncan Alexander, um, who is, uh, I think he works Opta Analyst. Um, and he said, uh, these days, if you foul and then pull an opponent down by his shirt in the 18-yard box, it's a penalty. The game is gone. I find that one quite uh, amusing. Uh, Sam Lee uh, reports on for The Athletic. I uh, used to be uh, report uh, uh, at goal. He said, not a great day for centre-backs if we can include Martin Keown in that because Martin <laughs> Keown was really crying. And, and then... And there's it's a trend I noticed. I mean, City were playing Arsenal. You you expect some of the Arsenal fans to be a little bit over the top. Um, United fans, I mean, they're staying in their, their own lane at the moment because, I mean, I have how bad they've been and they're so far behind City. So not too many Man United fans, uh, you know, said anything. But then there's a, a club that uh, a lot of fans decided to take to, to social media and uh, they felt they had to say stuff. You know, you had people saying that Stuart Atwell was man of the match. I think he was, actually. He had a very, very good game. And we had a tweet from a Mr. Grizz Khan, um, and who said, um, this was after, obviously, City had uh, prevailed and, and beaten Arsenal. He said, back-to-back seasons consisting of record-breaking 97 and 99 points point seasons, including winning the league after 30 years. Back-to-back seasons in Champions League finals whilst winning one of them. And you have Twitter users holding spaces and naming them Loserpool and Klopp the flop. Lord have mercy. And the thing is, I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff from Liverpool fans. It's just what you expect because uh, they are a cult. But the interesting thing is, I mean, Liverpool, yeah, it was a record-breaking season, 97 points. It's the highest points so a team's ever got for finishing second. Well, they didn't even win it. So record-breaking points for finishing second. And 99 points is the record-breaking point score for a team that didn't get 100 points. So <laughs> Liverpool fans need to stay in their lane as well. And there's, there's a lot more. There's a lot more on, on social media. Sure. The, the favourite one is, um, lol, City are going to win the title and no one cares, says yeah. the yeah, so the United and Liverpool fans and Arsenal fans who were tweeting about City, uh, who obviously care very much. But the best one, the best one, is not, not, nothing to do with City, but the best one, now, you might have heard that, sadly, during the week, Betty White passed away. She's 99 years old, <laughs> only a few weeks from her 100th birthday. Uh, wonderful actress. She was in uh, Golden Girls, you know, done a lot of stuff. Um, you can go and check out her life. You know, funny woman, funny woman. And uh, we, I saw a, a tweet, uh, someone had written, you know, um, rest in peace, you'll never walk alone. It's always about them. Whatever's going well, on in the world. To, to be awful. fair, to be fair, Betty White was Noel White's sister. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows who Noel White is, apart from you, Colin, or maybe Bernard. <laughs> but Noel no White was the former business partner of Peter Swales, of course, and they both uh-huh. in football. Uh, and Noel White went on to be a director at Liverpool, while we ended up with Swales. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a little joke, but I say many people probably get that. Yeah. I'm going to move to Mike because Mike, obviously, we in the last pod we did the, the Liverpool were losing to uh, Leicester as we were doing that pod. But Mike is Mike is um, he always takes one for the team. Uh, he's been listening to a lot of uh, 
Liverpool um, podcasts and videos, and especially the Anfield rap. That's oh, spelled with a capital K. They're my favourite. <laughs> it's spelled with a capital K, uh, the Anfield rap. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about what's been going on with the Anfield rap, Mike? Oh, this is fabulous, guys. Uh, one thing that uh, you should do, if you want a little bit of entertainment, they, they put something out very quickly after a game on uh, YouTube, and it's called the Post-Match Pint, where you get, um, I think, the, the gobbiest one there with a couple of his mates sitting in a bar with um, a pint in front of them going over the game. And, um, and then later on, um, they put out their, their podcast. I think it's, um, it's uh, cut short, I think, for people that uh, don't subscribe. But it's just, it's, the, the cult is, uh, is strong, guys. The force is strong with them. And uh, particularly um, in, in this uh, last uh, couple of matches, they're, I mean, blinkered crackpots, it doesn't even begin to, to do it justice. <laughs> They're just they're, don't sort of me and my friends. Me and <laughs> I mean, just the level of uh, myopia is absolutely staggering. They hate City with a passion. Well, they, they don't care about. They will <laughs> give them credit for anything, and this league is very much still alive, guys. Still alive. <laughs> well, we'll move on. We'll move on. So before we talk about more City stuff, because uh, I mean, this does affect us, we've asked Bernard if you watched the Chelsea game versus Liverpool today. Was it finished two all? What did you make of that game? Uh, I didn't watch it, uh, young man. No, I just I followed it on Twitter. Uh, apparently, it was all over at two nil, and uh, some guys were turning off saying, obviously, uh, Liverpool have won this. So I, I thought, okay. And then obviously, I saw I went on to a, a live feed, and it said two one. I thought, oh, it's not all over then, is it? Then it was two all, but. Uh, yeah, I didn't actually watch it, guys, but uh, couldn't have gone much better, could it, for us, uh, to be honest with you. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I will take, I will take that. I mean, I wouldn't have minded either of them winning, to be honest with you, but that, that's probably the, the perfect result for us. And uh, obviously, I'm sure, uh, uh, what's he called? Um, I, I had an Arsenal fan say, whinging that, uh, is it Mars, the African contingent for Liverpool are, are playing for this semi-final? I mean, I think our, everyone else has gone, haven't they, over to Africa and they've game, been yeah. allowed to stay on or something. I'm not too sure what that's all about. Uh, I've not heard about that. Uh, I think you're talking about the Carabao Cup semi-final. Um, yeah, yeah. so they're playing, they're playing the African contingent for Liverpool but uh, and yeah. all our guys are going, so I don't know why they're being well, we allowed. Haven't got, we haven't got a game this week, mate, until Friday, so I don't think it makes any difference. We're out of the Carabao Cup. Oh, sorry, the Manchester City Cup. Um, no, I, I, Manchester I, I, City's I, I, Invitational I, I, Cup. Sorry. I think the Liverpool contingent are going this week, so not, not after the Carabao Cup game, they're going before it, I think. Most players are going um, tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if the Liverpool ones are allowed. I think they were allowed to stay until the, Ch- the Chelsea game had taken place, and then they had to go. But uh, obviously, you, you don't know with Liverpool and what what they're they're up to. They might pull a Claudio <laughs> Ranieri and keep. If you've heard about that, his his main man Dennis isn't going because of an email didn't come arrive in time. But we'll move back to Colin. I don't want to move away just yet. City are 10 points clear of Chelsea, played the same number of games, that's 21. Liverpool have played 20 games and they are 11 points behind, if I'm right. If they win that game in hand, I'm assuming they will, they'll be eight points behind. Is it all over by the shouting with 17 games to go for City? Uh, no, um, it isn't because um, we were eight points behind with, what, five games to go in 2012? Liverpool was six points up at one point in 2014, with just a handful of games to go. You know, 
you know, I, I, I said before when when that second goal went in, I thought that's it, we've won the league. Well, of course, we haven't mathematically, and we're far from winning the league. And um, you know, we have to maintain our consistency because if you look at the uh, Liverpool Chelsea. Um, you know, Chelsea have only won one of the last five games, drawn the other four. So they've dropped eight points. Liverpool have dropped seven points. They've, they've uh, not won in four. They've drawn, lost, and drawn. So that's two, four, seven points. So we could do the same. We could still do the same and they could go on a roll. So Liverpool still got to come to us. And, and uh, you know, if you think about um, if Liverpool had won the game, they would turn a lot to the 42nd minute. And Kovacic got that wonderful goal and then... Uh, Another one in um, injury time in the first half to, to bring it to two, which is the way it stayed. Liverpool had won that. They'd be on 44. So they'd be nine points behind us with a game in hand. That's six. Still got to come to the Etihad. If they win that, they're only three points behind. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot can happen. So a lot can happen uh, until it's mathematically certain. Uh, nothing is won at all. So um, the title race is still open because we could. We could go on a run like Chelsea or Liverpool, drop seven or eight points and, and, and back in the mix. We just don't I mean, know. who would have thought that we'd lose to uh, Crystal Palace at home or draw with Southampton at home? No one yeah. would have believed uh, that that could happen. I mean, back to Bernard. I just want to quickly uh, rattle off our away games to get Bernard's uh, viewpoint as to whether uh, City are going to win this title now. Uh, are we far enough ahead? Our away games are West Ham, Wolves, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Everton, Leeds, Burnley, Norwich. So basically, we've got two teams in the top 10, I think, and the rest are way, way down. Do you think the remaining, because we played most of the big teams away from home already, do you think, uh, Bernard, that we've got enough in the bag already? Um, or when, uh, you know, Collins wait until it's mathematically certain. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, the league's over, but do you think it's very hard for, for City to lose it from here? I mean, obviously, those teams you just rattled off then, Burnley, Burnley and Norwich are probably the games that you would would sort of bank on winning. But there's some other difficult opponents there, isn't there? And let's face it, I, before this Arsenal game, I know, I know we'd be stuffed Newcastle 4-0 and we'd beat Brentford 1-0. But we're not exactly on fire, but obviously there's reasons for this with the illnesses and niggles. And obviously, I believe uh, City have now announced that we're not going to... Announce if someone's got COVID because of um, medical, um, you know, medical they things. And they basically have announced that who'd, who'd yeah, got but it. Yeah, they are not supposed to. Are they? are not supposed to because of medical confidentiality and all this sort of thing. But yeah, anyway, that brings us back to the teams. I mean, I don't forget, like Colin, I'm, I'm always a glass half half full sort of guy. Um, and it'd be nice to get, say, you know, we're in a position now where we can lose a game or two and not panic. So we can drop points now, but it'd be nice to, to be doing that in come March, April, not not in January. It's far too early to, to think about that. We've got some tough home games against the top, uh, some of the top sides and some of those away games are, are not easy. So I don't think anyone can be confident, but we're in a, a, a flipping good position because I think if, if we said we'd be happy at Jan, uh, top by January the 1st by uh, 10 or 8 points, whatever it is, with the games in hand, uh, I think we would have bit everyone's hand off, wouldn't we, a couple of months ago. So uh, let's just carry on. Let's keep grinding out those results. It was interesting to see what the, the Liverpool's assistant manager said after the game. Uh, obviously, Jurgen Klopp, I think he's got... Uh, COVID and he, he had to stay at home and watch the game on the telly. Uh, I think he was questioned about, you know, Liverpool are, you know, I mean, same way uh, Pep calls 
Tottenham, the Harry Kane team. Liverpool are the Mo Salah team. Let's be honest, Mo Salah scored another uh, very nice goal today. Uh, he's way clear in the scoring charts and the assist charts at the moment. He's, you know, um, uh, I'm not afraid to say he's probably the best player in the world right now. Um, but the assistant manager was asked about this and he said, we don't only have Salah, we've got other weapons too. And I said, yeah, your biggest weapon sat at home watching it on telly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go, let's go to, to Mike. I want to talk, um, I mean, we, we mentioned the um, uh, Africa Cup of Nations and the players uh, who are going to be going away. Uh, I think someone's rattling me for a poor joke, that, <laughs> uh, that, that bong. Um, but I want to talk about uh, players that are going away. Now, Liverpool are going to miss, I think they're losing two players, or three players, Naby Keita, uh, Salah and... Um, Mane. Um, City will only lose Riyad Mahrez, if I'm right. Chelsea lose uh, Edouard Mendy. And um, I think that's it for Chelsea, if I'm right. One more, I can't remember. But how do you think... Let's look at City, because obviously we're, it's, it's a City podcast. How do you think City will miss Mahrez? Because he's been playing quite regularly and he's our main penalty taker right now. I, I, I He's um, very underrated, underappreciated by... By, by many city supporters, he's been slamming in those penalties. That's that was a big weakness for us last season. So he'll be a miss. I, I would imagine Raheem Sterling is going to um, step up. Um, he's obviously been taking penalties when Mares hasn't. So it's going to be a bit of a loss, but not as much, I think, as the other teams you mentioned. I mean, Edward Mendy has is going to be a huge loss for Great. for Chelsea yeah. because they've got Kepa. Ariza Balaga coming in, uh, who's uh, who we all know, and um, obviously Salamani to a lesser extent Keita, but Salamani the, the the only joy they have is that the games they'll be missing are kind of cup games mostly rather than Premier League games. But I think two Premier League games that they miss uh, two Premier League games. Uh-huh. And Crystal, they, they miss Liverpool playing Brentford at home, and they're away at Crystal Palace. And now I don't think those games will be easy games for them. Uh, under any circumstances. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but as far as we're concerned, it's not a huge loss, Mares. but there goes your penalty taker. Well, if you could have Sterling as your backup, move Sterling to the right, falling on the left, um, and you've got your penalty ta- you know, backup penalty taker as well. Right. You know, I think the, the issue possibly is that that's another player disappeared. Um, that, you know, we're, Our threadbare squad is, is, is going to lose another player, so we're left with 13 yeah. outfield players. Um, and no, you're, you're wrong. wrong. It's, it's, um, you had 17 senior outfield players, right? I checked. Have we? Three goals. So we'll have 16 senior outfield players. Uh, well, the list I saw, we only had about 18 players all told. Um, we had 18 less than two that have gone. And uh, where we, I thought, well, the list I saw had 17 in total, and we got the three keepers, so I rattled it down to 14. Whatever it is, we haven't got a lot of outfield players. And we don't know about John Stones. How's he going to come back? Um, Zinchenko and whoever else is ill uh, who's got COVID because not everybody comes back firing on all cylinders. I think Kevin uh, De Bruyne took a little bit of time. Um, So it's it's a very tricky time for us. I I personally don't see us looking uh, in the transfer market for anybody. Do you think we might dip our toes in the transfer market this January, Bernard? 
No, I wouldn't imagine so, mate. To be honest with you, I know it's a bit of a struggle. I just, I just can't see who we would want or who would be available to bring in that would be of any, any help to us. I've no, no doubt we could do with someone because, as I said, I, I saw a list of seventeen, which included three goalkeepers, but I, I don't know where that list came from. To be honest with you, how correct it was, I wasn't too sure. But uh, yeah, and I still, I still, I think we're just going to try and muddle through, uh, and a lot of teams are muddling through. It's not just us. Let's be honest about it, although. Say we get all the stick and the fact we've got a massive squad, which we haven't, and all this rubbish. But uh, I can't see anyone coming in January. To be honest with you, I can't see any sort of stop gaps or anything like that. I think we'll just uh, muddle through. I don't know if you guys agree with that. Um, I'm going to rattle off the players that we've got outfield players uh, from the city website Walker, Diaz, Stones, Aki, Zinchenko, Laporte, Cancelo, Gundogan, Grealish, Rodri, De Bruyne, Bernardo. Fernandinho, Phil Forden, Raheem Sterling, Jesus Mares. So that's 18 players, that um, outfield players. So I, mean, I, I hold my hands up. There's 18 players in that list. Um, hey, actually, let's go through again. There's, there's seven defenders. Where it's, there's eight defenders. So, so seven defenders. Seven we, midfielders. Seven midfielders, 14, and three attackers. 17. 17. 17 yeah, yeah. I, I got Cole Palmer on the list as well. But oh, really, he's played four games. Even um, Foden, strictly speaking, is I don't think he's a senior player, but I think we'd, we'd regard him as a senior player because yeah. he's only 21. He's played, he's played enough to be considered yeah. first-team yeah. player. And he's, you know, I think in our best first-team, he, he's included. So, all right, 17, sorry, 17 outfield players. Um, but obviously, um, with a few in, you know, people ill or injured, uh, it is a, it's one of the smallest um, squads in the pre- uh, top end of the Premier League for for certain. Um, let's look at some of the uh, other talking points, and uh, I'll mention a few, and then we'll see uh, if there's any other business. Did anybody see the John Cross article slating Jack Grealish um, in the <laughs> Daily Mirror? And um, I'll, 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 I'll read a little point from Andy Dixon, um, City big City fan. Who said yes? Cross very unlikely to be direct. Re- I think they're talking about the headline because the headline said uh, Jack Lemon, um, <laughs> obviously saying um, that um, he's he's not been worth it. And uh, and and someone questioned whether uh, Cross would have actually come up with the headline himself. And uh, and he said yes. Cross very unlikely to be direct directly responsible. But it is interesting that this is not the first time his content has carried a pernicious, wholly unnecessary headline. Uh, and he's referring to the one on KDB when uh, the, the, uh, under in one of uh, Cross's articles, he said the £60 million reject. Um, any, any thoughts on that, Michael? John Cross is, a, is your go-to man for all things Arsenal, isn't he? Um, and uh, he was, did, did you mention that he was talking about Grealish, first of all? He's talking about Grealish. He was slagging, basically, he said... Uh, you know, he's a. He called him Jack Lemon and said he's a waste of money. Yeah, I think that 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 was kind of like the the second most prominent. I think the most prominent on Grealish was um, Simon Jordan for Talksport, who called uh, Grealish a moron. Um, and then this this sparked off a whole big thing from. Well, no. And Gabby was demanding an apology uh, on behalf of um, um, Aston Villa about his behaviour. Talked about. You know, Jordan was talking about his um, track record of doing doing stupid things um, ever since he was a teenager and, and be, basically being, you know, uh, 
controlled by his own hype. Um, but I wouldn't expect anything um, much better from John Cross. I mean, he's a, a classic clickbaiter. <laughs> Anybody saw, uh, I'll ask the question, Anybody saw Stefan Borson's tweet where he basically parodied, parodied, uh, parodied uh, Jurgen Klopp? Anybody? <laughs> well, all right. I, I don't want to read the full tweet out from from Stefan because I haven't uh, copied. I, th- I thought one of you guys would have, uh, but I think he was basically, uh, you know, Klopp had come out slating City and you know saying that his team was struggling with COVID and they had three new COVID cases. This is at his press conference, I think, a couple of days ago. Three new COVID cases within the team, a uh, couple more within the staff, and you know, he was. You know the the clock way of whinging about it, uh, and he said somehow City, you know, uh, managing to uh, avoid all the COVID issues, and which obviously rattled the cage of the Liverpool fans who started uh, giving it a bit of uh, venom. And Stefan put out, uh, it was just, it was just tongue in cheek. It was just a joke uh, where he put out a comment uh, purportedly coming from from Klopp. Uh, talking uh, talking about City and that City were making sure that they got their players to have COVID early in the season so that it provided uh, <laughs> to help them later in the season. And and the, the thing was, so many people thought it was true. They thought Klopp could have said something as ridiculous as that. Um, he's just a bam pot. He is out there at times, is our, is our Jurgen Klopp. Okay. He really, he really, really, it, he deserves full points for creativity. It's a different <laughs> one every single week yeah. from the length of the grass to, to the wind to uh, opposing referees. And now what we're accused of witchcraft uh, for, <laughs> for awarding all COVID. Uh, unbelievable. He's, he's just a dream. He's made for them, isn't he? Yep, absolutely. Before we get on to any other business, uh, I want to just briefly mention um, Gareth Crooks, ex-Spurs um, player, um, <laughs> ex-England player, Gareth Crooks, and his lamentable, his lamentable team of the year. Now, Gareth Crooks, he, he does a team of the week, um, and generally he does raise a few eyebrows. But this team of the year, without going through all the, all the players, but... He's managed to have three at the back. Uh, he's managed to have three players at the back. No uh, Van Dijk, which is fair enough because he he was injured the first half of the year. He's managed to put uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold on the right side of a back three. Reese James on the right of a midfield. Uh, he's got Declan Rice in the middle there. Uh, and up front, very interesting. He's got Antonio up front. He's got Saka, but no more Salah. Anybody want to take that one up? The only thing more predictably stupid than his teams of the week that you can read every week. I mean, it's really as predictable as, you know, Mark Lawrenson uh, picking Liverpool to win 2-0 in whatever game that they're up against, you know, in his score predictions. But it's just, it's, it's just he's he's laughable. Uh, he's trying to, um, to please everyone. Um, every team of the week that he picks... He will avoid two or two or three of the standout players that week in order to, you know, to curry um, positive comments from from fan bases around the, the country. So that doesn't surprise me in the slightest bit. OK, we're going to move on to, I think, any of the business. Is there anything else out there city wise worth having a uh, little chat about? 
can I, can I just say, you know, obviously we're going back to the game uh, against Arsenal, but uh, Bernardo Silva, I just want to make a quick mention because he didn't have the greatest game on the ball, but as far as the award for shithousery is concerned <laughs> against Arsenal, I would like to say, Bernardo, you're, you're a legend. I mean, if he doesn't, you know, show any respect for Liverpool with the T-gate and all this sort of thing, I mean, he wound those fans up, the, the Arsenal fans up, he wound the referee up, he wound the players up. He was absolutely superb at the art of shithousery yesterday. So I just want to say that before we finish. I know we've not mentioned it, but uh, as well as winning us a penalty, he wasn't great on the ball. He lost control a couple of times. But he, he he made up for that in his in his, his sheer his sheer ethic to and even when we scored that last minute goal he was in the background celebrating on his own. Everyone saw the images of it, but I mean all the other guys were piled on and he was quite in the background, sort of virtually giving the V's to the Arsenal fans behind all the other players. He was ab- absolutely. That's what, he is I was going to ask me, Bernardo. He's mm. one, yeah, legend. He, he, just was it when he has a statue made? Uh, when when he finally leaves City, what do you think his hand gesture will be? <laughs> the one with the uh, cup of tea in his hand, won't it? <laughs> cup of tea, that's, that's the one for me. With the Liverpool guard of honour. Any other uh, business, guys? Colin, have you got any, any other business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, something funny. Well, um, uh, coming out of the Emirates yesterday, the Arsenal fans were singing, uh, ship fans, no history, or no history, ship fans. Yeah. And um, uh, let's just... Um, it, it, it tickled me that um, it, Arsenal didn't join the league till 1913 when they moved north of the river to Highbury. We'd already won the FA Cup by then, so so th- we'd won our first trophy when they won before they were even in the league. Um, uh, and we won the FA Cup 26 years before they did. We won the League Cup 17 years before they did. We won the European Cup Winners' Cup 24 years before they did. Yet we've got no history. So uh, I, I'd just like to. I doubt there are any Arsenal fans listening yes, to this. I mean, this is the thing. I, I did actually see somebody having a rant with, obviously it's done for video, with uh, Ty. Um, Mike might have seen this. It was a guy called Hamza City fan ranting with Ty about, and, you know, Ty mentioned the history. And sadly, sadly, Hamza doesn't know enough of his history to, to, to throw those back because it was the first one you throw back is the FA Cup. Um, in was it 1903, Colin? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just testing Colin's memory. You remember it well, uh, 1904, <laughs> and and obviously all, all the other stuff we, we we'd won. And you know, if you're going to have an, an argument with somebody like that, you're throwing facts like that. You mentioned the uh, the point that Arsenal had to fiddle it, cheat the way into the league. If I remember correctly, is that right? Uh, well, you had to be voted in in those days. Yeah. In the first year, it was at the end of the war, uh, end of the well, the First World War. Uh, Spurs and another club, might have been Chelsea, were, were, should have been. Um, no, they were going to. Sorry, when they came back, they were going to expand the first division. So, so basically, the, the teams that were supposed to be relegated, I think, should have stayed up, and another two teams should have come up. Now. If I remember rightly, I'll just check my, my stats for this one, actually. Check my, my source for this. because I, 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 I want to make sure I get it right. It's, it, Spurs, I think, came second in the second division. So they should have been expecting automatic promotion. And Arsenal, who came fifth. Um, let me go back and find it. 19. It did the dirty. 18, I think it was. That's right. Yeah, sorry. Tot- yeah, Chelsea and Tottenham finished bottom two. 
Uh, and uh, there were only 20 teams in the league and they're going to expand it. So so I think they're going to take two more in. So uh, what do you say two or four? It was uh, two. So, so Chelsea and Tottenham assumed that they would um, not be relegated, which is probably a bit of a false assumption. And um, anyway, the, the Arsenal chairman, owner, chairman, uh, a guy called Henry Norris, he was a bit notorious. He was done for fraud eventually. Um, he, uh, Arsenal finished fifth in the old second yeah. division. And they'd only just joined the league two years earlier. And they um, somehow got uh, voted into the first division at the expense of Spurs, which is part of the reason. It wasn't for the fact they're both North, North London teams, but um, this is the, the, the start of the, the, the hatred between Spurs and Arsenal. Uh, and even if they hadn't been neighbours, I think that would have uh, carried on. So Spurs got relegated um, and uh, Arsenal came up. Uh, we, uh, and there was never, no, no one ever knows the reason for this. There, there was talk there was bribery, but I, I don't think that was the case. Uh, I think it's been proved. But, but the speculation that Henry Norwich, the Arsenal chairman, had threatened to reveal details of financial shenanigans. Uh, and so basically, to keep it quiet, they, Arsenal got voted up. Or perhaps it was just very persuasive. But it was, you know, we're old enough, some of us old enough to remember uh, the days where, where clubs uh, had to be elected to the fourth division uh, and the fate of the club being relegated uh, depended on that vote. Um, so, and it was a bit like that. So, so whether Norris was just very persuasive or, or made a very good case for Arsenal coming up, whether, it, as it's rumoured, he threatened to reveal his knowledge of the financial shenanigans. And uh, it, it's interesting, I don't want to go on too much, but... Back in 1906, City had been heavily sanctioned by the FA to the point of oblivion, putting us into oblivion, because of issues with payments under the table to Billy Meredith. And uh, it's a long story, I won't go into it. It's worth a podcast on its own, to be honest. But um, all clubs were doing it. There's no doubt, because it was was a maximum wage, it was four quid a week. If you wanted to keep your best players, you paid them under the table. Uh, And there were various ways of doing that, you know. Uh, the old one was putting some cash in a boot or, you know, if you had a wealthy wealthy directors or owners, that they would supply, uh, you know, a sinecure type job to, to, to one of the players, you know, who basically involved them getting paid for doing nothing or, or you know, and there are other ways of doing it. So, so it was going on and we just happened to get found out. Um, and um, so, so there was a lot of that going on. Maybe Norwich knew quite a bit about it. Uh, but anyway, so, so that's... Um, how Arsenal got into the first division. They've never been out since. I mean, they might have got there anyway, of course. You know, who knows? But yeah. um, they've never been out since. And uh, we're talking about history. Uh, there's another bit of history which often gets disputed. But um, uh, even uh, oh, when was it? 90, mid-90s. Arsenal wasn't Arsenal. We're a similar type of team. We, you know, we finished in similar positions. So Arsenal weren't that successful. Uh, this is prior to Arsene Wenger coming, of course. Uh, I think... Um, Stuart Houston was he the, he the manager before yeah. Wenger? But um, Bruce Tony, Bruce Tony, yeah, uh, Tony Adams um, was getting a bit fed up at life at Arsenal. He felt it was worth more. He was in his thirties. He felt it was worth more money. He wasn't getting um, much at Arsenal. Arsenal had the players on a year-by-year contract, so um, he went to see the chairman. Uh, I think it was David Dean. He went to David Dean's house and said, "Look, you know, I'm coming up to thirty-five. I want, I want a decent contract. I don't think I'm paid what I'm worth." I want a decent contract. What are you going to do about it? Because Manchester United have been sniffing around. And David Dean said to him, don't worry, 
he said, um, Danny Fisman's put a load of money in. Danny Fisman was David Dean's kind of partner in, in Arsenal, uh, the guy who uh, basically came up with the idea of building the Emirates. Uh, he said, Danny, Danny Fisman's put a load of money in and we're going to triple your contract. So he was on something like 300,000, 330,000 a year and they were putting you up to a million a year and giving him a, a decent contract. So he stayed with Arsenal. Uh, and, and that that was just before um, uh, Wenger came. But that gave them the money. They, they were buying players for like four or five million then, when, when, when the going rate was two million, because they had that money put in by Danny Fisman. Now, I've had a guy who, um, he writes about Arsenal the same way I write about City's history and, and, and financials. And he swore blind to me that there's no evidence of that money ever going in. Well, you know, who knows how it went in? We, we don't know. I, I've been through Arsenal accounts and he's probably, he, he, he's right in that respect. But Tony Adams, this is what Tony Adams said in an interview. And I, I got to meet Tony Adams, who was the, one of the world's nicest guys, I've got to say. Lovely guy. Um, at the, the FA Cup, when they did the FA Cup third round draw at the Etihad a few years ago. So I had a chat to him about that. I said, is this story true? As you know, it's a journalistic nonsense. It's true. He said, I was told Danny Fisman had put a load of money in. Uh, and that's how, you know, all the we're all getting better contracts and getting better players. Because at the time, Arsenal seemed to have no ambition. So, um, you know, it, it's only 25 years ago that Arsenal had a cash, a big cash boost, if that story's true. And no reason to doubt it. I've heard it from Tony Adams. He's told it to the media. Uh, you know, and I've heard it straight from his own mouth. Um, it's only 25 years ago that Arsenal had a big cash boost when they were, you know, mid-table right, a decent club, but a mid-table club like us. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had their manager, George Graham, who got done for uh, taking kickbacks, taking the bungs. Um, and the last thing I'm going to mention about Arsenal, I mean, you know, this is just for fans who, you know, want to throw some some mud their way in, in during an argument. Um, they were known as the Bank of England club. Um, now, what Arsenal did in the... 1920s. Huddersfield Town had a great team. I think they won the first division title. Was it three times on the bounce? They had a yeah. wonderful manager called Herbert Chapman. Okay, Arsenal offered him a record-breaking salary. They paid the big bucks to get him to come to London. And in the next five years, he basically built a new side. And I think they won it. Was it three times on the bounce in the 30s? Uh, but they became they was basically record-breaking spending, obviously record-breaking gate receipts because they moved to a new ground, and they were known as the Bank of England club. So they were quite happy to splash the money. And as Colin has said, they, they won their first trophy in 1930, which was the FA Cup. Um, and then, uh, as I said, they won the, the, the league uh, titles very quickly after that. But they, like Liverpool before them, they only got where they were by spending a, a heap of money, a lot more than any uh, you know other clubs around them, and that's how they got their success. It wasn't organic; it was manufactured. I mean, you know, um, for if for, for you history buffs out there who know that Liverpool were basically formed to make money for for their owner. That's it. It wasn't like in those days. Most clubs were formed from church uh, groups or social clubs or sporting clubs Liverpool were based were simply formed to make money for the owner so well there you have it any any other business before we we uh, we um disappear into the night guys uh not from me Bernard. no I'm fine wow well there you have it guys about almost 90 minutes after we started hopefully Mike will be able to trim this down just a little bit um that's the end of the, the podcast I hope you've enjoyed it uh, Mike first Foray into hosting, um, hopefully my last. Um, 
But a big, big thank you to our guest tonight. We'll, we'll, we'll go to Mr. Bolt from the Blue himself, Mike Long. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Fantastic. Thank you very much, guys. Happy New Year to everyone and great job, Ray. Thank you. Uh, Bernard, thank you once again for coming on. Oh, thanks, Ray. It's been a pleasure as always to be with you guys and talking yet another victory and still top of the league. That'll do for me. And Colin, thank you for the history lesson, your lived history. Um, it's, it's always so entertaining. Well, I was there, you know, so I've seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we wish you all a happy new year and to all our listeners as well. And hopefully uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all be in the stadium to see a trophy get lifted in uh, May. And I will sign off in the usual way. Have one on us. And up the blues. Up the blues. Up those blooming blues.